Hi there, and welcome to the Homestead Education Podcast. Do you have a homestead, farm, or just dream of a rural life? This is a show to help you and your kids grow your own food and grow as a person. I'm your host, Cody Hanner. I'm a homesteader, homeschool mama six, and small town enthusiast. I was raised by an old school rancher and blessed by the grace of God to have been exposed to so much of what rural life has to offer. Join me every week to talk about homesteading, homeschooling, and growth with a homestead education. Hi, and welcome back. I just want to remind you that you can get all of my homestead science books on my website for a new way of teaching agriculture to today's youth and aspiring homesteaders by focusing on small-scale farming and self-sufficiency. If you are a school or a co-op and need invoicing, please feel free to reach out to me directly. So I want to welcome everybody to my 100th episode. Oh my gosh, I am so excited. Um, I actually had to go back and like recount because on some of the players, it says it's actually my 98th, but there was, um, <clears throat> there's been some others that I had to pull out, but I have made it to a hundred episodes. Um, I'm just totally, uh, blown away by these numbers, um, that, you know, I've continued to come this far that I've had, you know, hundreds of thousands of downloads and depending on the day, I'm sitting in the top 20 home and garden podcasts, uh, sometimes in up to 15 countries. Um, super exciting. Um, being a home and garden podcast, though, sometimes I do hit a little lower on the ranks um, behind all of the pot growing uh, podcasts. But when I sit down and count down the actual uh, homestead podcasts, I'm like easily in the top 10, like if you just look at like the homesteader ones versus, um, you know, because it's home and garden, I mean, there's stuff on organizing your house. Like I said, there's stuff on growing weed, there's stuff on growing roses, which are all awesome and wonderful podcasts. But when you kind of like, when we have our own little sector of homestead podcasting and I sit in like the top 10 of those um, most weeks, it's super exciting. So a uh, huge shout out to you guys um, for being the ones who have been there for me for the last almost two years since I started this podcast. And um, please keep listening, keep sharing, uh, keep telling me what you love about it. Um, make sure you head over to your favorite podcast player and leave a review um, so that other people can find me. Because if you're loving what I have to say, maybe somebody else is too. So thank you guys. Um, so I want to start with a little bit of just an update. I had the last couple of weeks, I've just been playing, um, the interviews that I've done with my guests and not really popping in and telling you what's going on on the homestead. Um, I mean, like always we're busy. I mean, I probably start every podcast that way. Like, Oh, we were busy on the homestead. Like big surprise because <laughs> as homesteaders, we are busy. And as soon as things mellow out, we're like, Ooh, now I have time to start something new. I mean, I think it's just in our nature. So um, yeah, I've been busy. Uh, if you've been, if you're subscribed to the newsletter, um, you've been hearing about our pigs. If you're not subscribed to the newsletter, head over to the homesteadeducation.com forward slash subscribe and get on the newsletter because I send out a little bit of what we're doing every week, some updates on the homestead, like, and not just um, 
what we're doing on our homestead, but how our homestead business is going and giving some like tips and stuff on that. And that's also where I put all of like the first people to know about sales. Um, if I have a discount code for a business I love, like that's where all that comes through. Um, that usually doesn't pop up like in my podcasts or even on social media, unless there's something like going on, like I'm doing a giveaway with somebody or something like that. So make sure that you subscribe so that you get all that information. Now, like I said, in the newsletter, we've been talking about farrowing season, which is when our pigs have their babies. Um, It's been, we've had really rough years, um, like really rough years, like last year, the no, year before last, we only had three piglets out of our 10's house. Um, like, and it wasn't that like all 10 had bad, like some didn't breed, some didn't breed in time. Um, so our farrowing season, like just to kind of clarify, is kind of from Jan, like our big farrowing season is like January through February. Like we have a two month window that that's when 4-H pigs are um, born for our local, our two local fairs. And 4-H pigs are one of our biggest money makers. It's how we connect with the community the most. Um, we're actually probably one of the lowest priced uh, fair pig provider in the area because I don't specifically raise show pigs, but our pigs um, are fine for our local fairs that are kind of on the smaller side and kids just want the experience. And I don't think kids should have to pay $500 for a show pig to go to our tiny little county fair that, um, you know, <clears throat> it's kind of, it's just not necessary. I mean, these, these pigs do great, um, even if they're not uh, show quality pigs. So there's no reason to be paying that price. So I keep my prices considerably lower than the rest of the area, not even to undercut people, just because people know that they're getting farm pigs. And they're okay with it because a lot of times they'll buy, you know, an extra pig for each child as their backup pigs um, in case they have a pig that doesn't make weight in time for fair and stuff like that. Um, they'll have extras as their backup pigs and then they'll also, whatever extras don't go to fair, they're butchering for themselves. And if you talk to any small town butcher, they're going to tell you that those like showbread pigs are like they wouldn't eat them they're tough and they don't have like good fat and stuff and that they, they would choose a farm pig over a bread pig or like a showbread pig any day and I'm not saying that showbread pigs are bad I'm just saying that you know for our local fairs we don't need to be it's just not necessary um so kind of back to how our farrowing season has gone and we've also had farrowing seasons where we had like 100 piglets so it just really depends on the year. Um, this year, we're going to be able to sell about 25, which is a decent year. We um, we had some pigs not breed back. Um, not sure why. We don't know. We think it's our boar because this has not happened to us in the past. And in doing some research, our boar is a purebred Hereford, which we love the breed, but we actually found that this is kind of a common thing with them. So especially when they're breeding to a purebred um, Hereford gilt, which um, a couple of our, or not gilt, just a purebred um, Hereford sow as well. And I don't know why this would be an issue. I've never even heard of it before until I started like doing some research and it's not like necessarily a thing, but I've read about it more often than I've heard about some of the other breeds. So um, we're looking into getting a new boar. Um, 
you know, if anyone lives in the Pacific Northwest and has a decent farm boar for sale right now, we thought we had one lined up for um, a good price, you know, and we're in that position where we don't pay more than about $500 for a boar um, because we get a new one like almost every year. So, I mean, also us getting rid of our boar isn't um, on him. Like it's kind of a thing with the farm pig people around here. Like you keep a, a boar about a year or two, you sell them reasonably cheap. Some people give them away and um you know you just kind of move through them that way uh just because you know once they get about five or six years old they're really big for breeding gilts and it's a lot of times you want to keep like a gilt out of a mom that has really good piglets like we want to do this year um so uh we don't want to you know be breeding back to this male so um we're looking for a new boar so again, if you live in the Pacific Northwest area, um, you know, North Idaho, Eastern Washington, Western Montana, even Northern Northeast Oregon, um, we are looking for a boar. We're actually traveling for a conference this coming weekend. So like the weekend of the 24th um, down to the Tri-Cities area of Washington. So if we can bring our trailer and get a pig at the same time, a boar at the same time, we would love that. So if you know of one, go ahead and reach out to me at hello at the Homestead Education or head over to our farm website, Hanner Homestead. And my husband kind of runs that and you can um, reach out to him directly, like on our Facebook or something. Uh, I mean, I don't know if that's weird to like ask you guys for pigs, but, you know, maybe somebody knows of something that I don't or you're not you haven't posted your pig for sale yet. And so you're you can let me know. Um so our homestead website is up and running. We are loving it. It's beautiful. Um, I'm going through small town and rule, uh, which ha is designed to work with homesteaders. So um, if you're interested in a website, go check with them. I don't um, like have an affiliate. I'm not making any money off this. I've just enjoyed my experience with them. So um, go ahead and check them out. Um, I know a lot of other homesteaders in North Idaho that are using them. Uh also, again, if you live in the Pacific Northwest, we sell um, <clears throat> retail pork and lamb. We'll have raw milk soon. Um, we sell whole hogs, half hogs. Um, we do pay as you grow so you can make payments to us to get a whole hog in your freezer, which is a really great option on that or a half hog. Um, so, oh, and of course we have piglets. And actually right now we have um, some feeder pigs for sale uh they're uh be like 150 pounds and so i'm selling those for uh, between three and five hundred depending on which litter they come they came out of i have a couple different litters and we have about 15 uh, no 13 of those available to our whole hogs and ready to go and are looking for someone to put down a deposit so um again if you live in the pacific northwest area and that's something that interests you please feel uh, free to reach out to me um, we can help you find a butcher um, or a butcher date um, with a local butcher, uh, whether you need custom or USDA. And um, or if you're going to butcher yourselves, like we can help load you up, load it up in the trailer for you. <laughs> but uh, yeah, let me know. Uh, so this week we like right now, I kind of have a little bit of a headache because we have been making lard for hours we need to make room in our freezers to be able to open up our farm store. Um, we're doing our soft opening um, probably next month-ish. And then we're going to do like a grand opening in early spring 
or I guess late spring when I have all my um, seed starts ready to go. So, but to get our freezers all opened up for all of the product, I am making tons and tons. Well, we as a family are making tons and tons of lard. Like we have lard coming out of our ears and we've had the meat grinder going all day. And like, I just feel like jangly, like, like I can feel like my brain moving to the sound of the meat grinder. I don't know if anyone's ever felt that before, but it's been a fun afternoon because um, our kids love, our little kids love running the meat grinder. And I have some video of my three-year-old, like sitting on the counter in his diaper, running the um, meat grinder. Um, lots of fun with that one. So um, <clears throat> kind of just uh, moving back into the homestead education. Um, I don't know if you know, but besides my homeschool curriculum that I've created, I also have multiple homestead guides that I offer as well as homestead business coaching. And in the, in my like immediate hundred to 200 mile radius, I will actually do on farm consulting for an additional fee, but you would just need to reach out to me for that one. But if you're looking for a zoom farm consulting, I offer those for $100 for the one hour um, strategy call and consultation call. And then I actually write up a report with um, a budgeting plan and a marketing plan for you and then follow back up in like a month to see if you need any help implementing everything. Um, if you use the code podcast, you can actually get my guide to starting or start a homestead business planning guide for free to go with that uh um, coaching session. So that might be something that if you're interested in launching your homestead business, whether it's plants, animals, a digital product, um, classes on your homestead, any of that type of stuff. Um, this was my background for years. Um, when I worked in commercial ag, um, I then switched to working on small farms. So I've been doing small farm consulting for ever. Um, and now I'm excited to do it at the homestead level um, where people are thinking about things just a little bit differently and I can help facilitate that. Now, my topic for this week, I thought what would be better for my 100th episode than just to tell you about the Hanners, us, our family, um, what we have going on, where um, our family and our homestead and our business is going in the future and um, just kind of share that whole story with you guys, um, because I know that our story resonates with so many people. So if you haven't heard it before, or you're, um, you know, maybe you like to hear it again, might just um, validate whatever you have going on in your life. Um, so where to start? I mean, I was born on a winter morning. No. <laughs> Um, I grew up in Northern California. My parents were divorced and I spent most of the time with my mom and then visited my dad on his cattle ranch, you know, every other weekend, holidays, half the summer, that kind of thing. Um, but it was only about a half hour away. So like a lot of my lifestyle kind of just bounced back and forth between the two lives. I was actually a uh, fifth generation in a small town in Northern California. So a lot of people just don't understand that California is actually super rural and has a lot of rural-minded people. Um, I kind of joke that it's, I mean, it was like an ongoing joke there, but it was the only place around where the rednecks hunt and or the rednecks smoke pot and the hippies hunt. You know, it's 
definitely it was a different mindset there uh but i grew up hunting uh having 4h animals just kind of a really rural lifestyle my friends and i all had pickup trucks and went shooting up on the mountains on the weekends um i learned how to be a hunting guide in my 20s i ended up majoring in agriculture when i went back to school in my late 20s and not realizing that this was going to end up being my path uh, but I love every minute of it because agriculture is just something that's, it's in my soul. Like, I don't even know how else to describe it. Um, you know, it's been a little hard moving away from that commercial agriculture mindset because it was something that I had loved for so long. It's almost like having to like break up. I, I don't know, but it's definitely been hard. But I embrace it and I love what I'm doing now. And I love that I'm able to bring a small scale agriculture education to so many people. Like it has been amazing to me. But what led me to go back to school in my late 20s, because I had been working like in accounting and small businesses doing dispatching and that type of stuff for several years. Um, but I found myself as a single mom when my twins were three months old. I mean, it was... Um, I mean, I think I've shared it on here before. It's not something that I share a lot, but, um, it was a domestic violence situation. So, I mean, I'm glad that I got out of it, but it's really hard to be a single mom of twins. And I just knew that I wanted a different life for us. Like, I didn't want that small town. Like, I love small towns. Like, don't get me wrong, because I am like a small town enthusiast. I'm sure you heard that at the beginning of my episode, <laughs> but, um, I didn't want that like mindset anymore that it was just okay to be stagnant in your small town. And I mean, what a cliche to be in like a uh, domestic violence situation and stuff. So um, I got out and I created a new life for me and my kids, which in this case was I went back to school and I got my bachelor's in agriculture before they turned five. Um, At that point, I started working in commercial ag, which I had been doing my internship in ag. I'd actually worked on ag, um, doing bookkeeping and that type of stuff before I majored in ag. But, um, I got this job, um, and well, goodness, I just don't even know where I'm going with this. <laughs> I got this great job. I went back to my small town and I realized that I didn't like being a part of this like big ag, big food type uh, mindset. And so I started doing consulting because it actually, our local USDA butcher plant was shutting down and it was going to be a huge inconvenience for a lot of local farms. And so we were looking at opening a small, I say we, but like, like a community funded type butcher plant in our area. And I went to that meeting and I realized that our community needed help in the food safety sector, which is where I kind of hung my hat. <clears throat> so I actually quit my job. I started a consulting business at that point and started consulting on small farms. Um, during this time, I ended up getting headhunted for a large organic walnut processing plant. And I relocated a couple hours away and that's where I met my husband. Um, I worked there for a while, but I met my husband during this time. He was recently widowed. Um, 
I don't know that I've talked about that on here either, but he'd been in the military. He was a veteran. He had four boys with his late wife and um, she passed away suddenly at the age of 39. And um, so he had moved back to California from the East coast to be near his mom. Just he knew he needed help, you know, and I don't blame him. And I was a single mom at the time. And I was like, we just, we gravitated towards each other because we both needed help. Um, Not only did our personalities click like wonderfully, but um, neither of us were in a place where we were handling it all. And um, having each other kind of all those pieces fit together. Uh, I mean, we almost immediately started looking at buying a house together. Um, when we were looking at farms, we we were like, we are going to do this farming thing. Um, I was planning on staying at my job for the foreseeable future, but it was, we were going to start our own farm in the Central Valley of California. And we were pre-approved for a house and we were looking at farms and trying to decide what worked best for us. And my husband's dad needed to uh go to the veterans hospital in portland he lived in uh, central oregon at the time well he's still there so we went up there to drive him because it was winter time and the roads are really bad and my husband's dad is a wmpt from vietnam so um even though he's been on prosthetics for most of his life when he has to drive long distances a lot of times he'll have someone help him out so we drove up there to um take him over to portland And I fell in love with Central Oregon. I thought it was beautiful. And there was so much history there. And you'd get out in the woods and it was like, I mean, it was like Oregon Trail stuff happening. Like, I mean, if you're watching this on YouTube or something, you're seeing me get all dreamy eyed. (laughs) And um, so we actually like we were there for just a few days and we put in an offer on this beautiful like chalet style house on five acres in the woods. It was just it was like a dream come true. We went back to California. We told our family, um, we told the kids, the kids were so excited and it took us a while to get our house sold in California and stuff. So it was about six months before we moved up and we thought that that was going to be our forever home. Um, we got really involved in the community 4-H. the kids were wrestling. We were on the board of the wrestling, um, just kind of how we do wherever we're at. We jump in with both feet and, um, we had a small homestead there. I mean, it was before this kind of homestead movement. So um, our home, it was like our, just our little farm. We had uh, chickens and a garden and the kids always raised extra four H pigs and we were selling pork on the side. And, um, but my husband and I spent so much time in the woods. Like that was, that was the only place we wanted to be. Like if it wasn't hunting season and there was no snow, we were in the woods Um, that was literally our life. Like, I mean, that was right when, um, Onyx maps first came out and I was like enthralled by how many mountain lakes there are in central Oregon. And my goal was literally to find every single one of them. And I still don't think I did, but I mean, I was obsessed to the point that, um, three weeks after my C-section with our now like seven-year-old, I walked six miles down the PCT to find a lake we hadn't found yet. Like, I mean, that was just, that was our life. And I absolutely loved it. 
And then when our son was six months old, my husband was diagnosed with what we were told by the veterans hospital was stage four liver cirrhosis and um, that he may not even have a year. Like we didn't know. Um, yeah, we went through a huge roller coaster. I still think we kind of are on that roller coaster some days, but obviously it's seven years later and my husband is still with us. So for those of you who have heard that story, basically that's what began our homestead and our homeschool journey. We, uh, we had, um, our oldest son got in a little trouble at school, right? I mean, it was like a week after we got the news about my husband and right at that time, we just were like, our, our lives have to change. Like we have to do something. And so one of them was that we were going to start growing as much of our own food as we could. Turns out that is really hard in the high desert when you live at the base of a volcano. It's like a frozen sandbox. Six, seven, eight months out of the year. Like my garden froze in the middle of August one time. <laughs> so, uh, but I mean, we tried and I just dropped my pen. So that's... um. We also knew we wanted to get more exercise in. So we kind of, we decided to hit up all of those lakes that we couldn't drive to. Um, I'm getting all excited again because I really, really love this. And I'm actually bummed that there aren't as many mountain lakes near us in Idaho. Um, there's a few, some we can drive to, some we can hike to. Um, but the one like I really want to get it to is something like a 10 mile hike. And I just don't know that I have it in me at this point in life. Not that I won't, but, um, so in order to do this, we had to really think about what we were doing with our kids in school. We were having some issues with the school district because of the trouble our oldest had got into. We were having some issues behaviorally with our second to oldest, um, he has ODD, it's um, oppositional defiance disorder, and it's a very, very difficult, um, I, I guess, diagnosis to deal with. Um, we also are the twins. Uh, one is autistic and one has severe dyslexia. And so, I mean, we were just like banging our heads against the wall with the school district. And when all this kind of happened, like we were like, we need to make a change. Like something's got to give. This is we can't do this anymore. So that's actually at the same time we decided to pull the kids from school, um, to teach them at home, to be able to spend more time in the woods, to spend more time together as a family in case we did only have a year. Um, during this time, we started traveling a little bit more. And one of our travels led us to North Idaho, where we have some friends and family. And Every time we were up here, we were just like, one day, one day we're going to move up there. That, That's the place we want to be one day. And we were driving home from one of our trips and already planning our next trip up here. And I, had, I asked my husband, I said, what are we waiting for? And he was like, I don't know. And so we immediately started looking for property in North Idaho. And uh, within the year, we were living up here and starting our homestead. This was about a year before COVID hit. So we were one of the, some of the lucky ones that when everything shut down, we already had full freezers and a milk cow. So um, we didn't have to worry about the grocery store. We luckily have a wonderful local food system around us. Um, 
if you follow me on Instagram, I've been talking a lot about local food lately, which, you know, you can't have a local food system without local food. So, you know, people have to be producing and we are producers. Uh, we buy from a lot of producers. And for those who are on the fence about whether or not they should start a homestead business, do it. Because in order to have that local food system, you have to have local food. <laughs> it's just the way it is. Um, if you want more information about local food, I will um, link that in the show notes. But um, making a note of that so I don't forget, because I will. Um, and then, I don't know, just when COVID hit, it we just dove deeper into it. We were like, okay, like we don't, if this stays, if this is what life is going to be, let's do this. Let's embrace it. Uh, we kind of quit hiking as much and we started focusing more on our homestead, which has its positives and its negatives. I'm kind of, I think I need to find them. I think I'm just sick of winter right now and I'm ready to go find myself a mountain lake. I don't even swim in them most of the time. I just want to hike to them and find them because they're gorgeous. But, uh, we have, you know, we started the homestead. I actually started doing real estate, um, just have something to kind of get out of the house, make some extra money. And I had started my website, the what I used to call the homemade revelation uh, when my husband got sick, because it was a revelation to me that we weren't home cooking in the way that I thought we were. So I started a website documenting that and it has morphed now to the homestead education. And I was driving to work one day. I was listening to Jill Winger's podcast, um, Old Fashioned on Purpose, and she was just talking about homestead businesses and something clicked for me that I needed to write a curriculum that, you know, we were a homeschool family. I was constantly creating curriculum for my kids um, to learn the science behind our homestead. And when I heard her talking about something that she was talking about, I don't remember now, but it was just like, ding, light bulb went off. I need to write a homeschool curriculum on homesteading because I have that background. I have that ag degree and years of experience in small scale farming. So why don't I make this something that um, other people can benefit from? And it's been a wild ride. But um, kind of back to our homestead, I am not doing real estate anymore. And I'm focusing on our homestead and um, our online businesses, which is, you know, the podcast and the curriculum. And um, we're opening a farm store and we're hoping to be able to start doing classes this summer, both on homesteading and like survival style classes where kids can come um, with their families and like hike our property. And we're going to have survival type scenarios set up where they can learn and then practice their skills. So Super excited about being able to start that. And then, of course, you know, we'll offer homestead style classes like butchering chickens and um, gardening, all, whatever we see that our community is looking for. So that's really exciting to us. I know a lot of people actually start with the classes and then go to the online business, but I have found that I really like the in-person teaching. And so I'm excited to be able to offer that on our homestead. Now, um you know, future plans on our homestead, we're talking about putting in another shop with a commercial kitchen in it so that we can look at 
um, doing smoked products, um, like smoked meat products, uh, maybe even be able to do direct to consumer pork. Um, like we do direct to consumer pork now, but to be able to ship direct to consumer pork. So we would need like a better warehouse. And um, so that's where we're going with our homestead. I am excited to see where it continues to go and what we decide to do with it. Uh, as far as the homestead education, like I said, I realized I needed to create something that people would benefit from this. So I, um, I created a, uh, our little learners and it's, it was a huge hit, but people were asking like, do you have something for teenagers? And I realized that you can go to any unit study, uh, curriculum writers and stuff and find things on farming or small or homesteading. Um, there's a lot of unit studies out there and you can piece together your own homestead curriculum for the younger kids. Um, not saying you should, I have a whole year, go ahead and buy that one. <laughs> um, and I've, um, added an expansion pack to it at this point that makes it better for older learners. It has the guided lessons with it, um, instead of just the worksheets to do and the activities. But, you know, people wanted the high school version, which is, was the big goal, but I needed to test the waters and I could test the waters easier with a children's version over a high school version. And so I sat down and I just kind of buckled down and took, you know, about, you know, a long summer and wrote um, the middle and high school version of the homestead education or the homestead science. And I never realized like how much people would resonate with this curriculum and want it for their families and their schools and their kids and just people are using it in ways I didn't imagine. And I am, I feel beyond blessed and I am so happy that I can bring agriculture to so many families. Like I am just, I go to homeschool conferences and I get to talk to the teens that will be taking my class and to see them light up the same way I did when I was a kid, um, to see parents light up over a curriculum that was something they would have wanted and to have it not be gimmicky. It's a real science curriculum with budgeting and um, how to do things in your community as well as how to read a food label, how to do a soil test. I mean, it's real practical hands-on skills and I am just, I am excited. Like, I don't even know what other words I can have for that. I am writing Homestead History now. Um, it was supposed to come out last fall, but um, I've had some hiccups in the business, which is common for new businesses. And I had to kind of take a break from writing and I'm back at it. And I'm hoping to have Homestead History available in the fall, which should be a full year um, science curriculum on food, American food and ag sociology. So super excited for that. I feel like, um, you know, a history on food and agriculture needs to include sociology because that is just, it's how we got where we are, good, bad, and indifferent. And um, I recently came out with a survival mini course. Um, I'd wanted that to be a semester long course. And I do believe that it is a semester long course, depending on how you use it. 
but it's 15 lessons on survival type skills, you know, not tying building shelters, but it's written in a way that like teaches you some of the science behind it, gives you ideas on how to like teach it in a co-op or to do it just with your kids. And it's very hands-on. It's a lot of fun and it's reasonable to do for the average family. Um, I'm hoping to come out with advanced um, homestead science for the teenagers. Cause like I said, that's where there's really a gap on this type of education. Um, so I'll have advanced animal science, advanced plant science over the next year or so. And uh, I don't know, we'll see where it goes from there. I'm looking at some more online options or video courses. Um, I haven't jumped into those as much lately or the, you know, the thought of those much lately, but um, if that's something that like you're interested in, if you're like, um, you know, I'd love to try the book, but I wish that there was more of a, um, you know, lessons from me that go along with it. Let me know. Let me know if that's something that you're interested in, because that's something I have been playing around with, especially some of the math lessons and some of the more hands-on things. I think it just really helps to see that in action. And so um, definitely something I'm considering. So let me know. Let me know. Ah, <laughs> um, Hello at thehomesteadeducation.com. And I would be more than happy to kind of just take notes of what you're interested in and what you'd like to, where you'd like to see this business going for your homeschool needs, because really it is about you guys. Um, the podcast, I started it almost two years ago, like I said earlier, and I am blown away by the people that I have reached, the amazing people I've gotten to interview, the amazing people who have interviewed me. Um, I hope you guys continue to listen. I have so much more to share and I have so many more amazing people that are going to be coming on. I already have, I mean, just a ton recorded. And I think that, you know, this podcast is going to continue for as long as the homestead education does. Um, I'm doing a lot of speaking this year. I spoke um, at conferences, homestead and homeschool conferences. I'm not going to as many homeschool conferences this year. Um, I'm kind of resetting um, some of the stuff with the business. And with that, I've invested in different ways. And sometimes booths at homeschool conferences can be really, really expensive. So um, I am going to some, but um, I'll see where I end up next year but I am going to almost all of the major homestead conferences this year and speaking at most of them. So I'm excited to connect with you guys all there. I should have my speaking schedule up in the next week or so. So you can head over to the website and check that out. I will link that in the show notes, but like I said, I don't know if that will be up by the time um, you guys hear this, but I love getting to connect with everybody out on the road. So if you are coming to one of the conventions I'm coming to, please, please make sure you stop by the booth and say hi. I usually have some sort of freebies or goodies for everybody, um, especially the kids. So speaking of kids, um, I'd like to give a little bit of update on my kids because I talk about them so much on the podcast and so many of you have met them out on the road that I'd like to give some updates. Um, I've mentioned our oldest a couple of times. He is 20 now. And we have a hard relationship. He doesn't live with us, uh, which a 20-year-old, that's not uncommon. But um, like I said, just a struggling relationship. So, um, but he lives nearby. Our 18-year-old, going to be 19-year-old, 
really soon. Um, he lives on his own, but he's here in town. He is the one who has ODD and was working. He's been working in construction, started as electrician apprentice at 15. He's still working in construction and looking at starting his own business. So that's super exciting. Uh, we have our the twins that I've mentioned before. They are 15 now. They're doing wonderful. Savannah is um, doing a lot of my podcast management. So if you reach out, um, you'll actually probably be getting her. And she is loving learning how to do that, how to do my scheduling. She's learning how to do some editing. And that's been a big, like awesome leap for her in like working at a real job because she did my shipping for a while and then she kind of took a break and now she's learning like the back end of an online business. Um, her twin brother, Wyatt, I mean, he's still, um, working the farm, doing our milking. He loves it. He wants to go into be, um, a dairyman one day. And so he's learning everything he can while he's on our farm. Um, and we support him so like wholeheartedly in that. Um, together they have been enjoying youth group. They're going on their first youth group trip this week. Um, they're just really starting to blossom into some really awesome people. Uh, I have Wade who everybody enjoys at the conferences because he gives out business advice and then starts his own booths and is just Wade. And I don't even know how to oh, explain this child. Sometimes I don't, even, I, I joke that I don't even take credit for him because he was just born special. And I don't know how else to explain that. Um, you know, he's the kid that goes to bed every night and tells us how much he loves his family and makes like heart shapes as he's going to bed with his hands. And he really is just a joy. And I'm, he, we have been unschooling him. And with that, like it's a child led learning, um, because of he's the child that he is, we have tons of curriculum, even though most unschoolers don't have um, tons of curriculum because he wants to learn. And it's been really exciting. Um, he recently decided that he's ready to learn to read and he is pushing himself through um, his language arts curriculum as hard and as fast as he can because he wants to be able to read. So this it's a super exciting process to watch. Um, a lot of you have really paid attention to my stories with Branch, my almost four-year-old. Oh my goodness, this kid. Whew. Like you blink your eyes and he is starting an IV on a dog. Like, I don't even know what to do with this child. He is brilliant. And I'm pretty sure he has an invisibility cloak. <laughs> and um, he keeps all of us going. He has barely just started talking. But like I said, could probably like dismantle your car if you looked away long enough i mean i watched him try to jump start a tractor uh, we caught him trying to give an iv on the dog he lit the kitchen on fire trying to make his own eggs um i mean if there's something crazy to get into this kid is doing it but then we went out to dinner the other night and i read him all the options on the menu which again he barely, barely talks. Um, and the waitress came up and she's like, hi, have you guys decided what you want? And he goes, mac cheese, please. And I was literally like full on mom moment in tears because my almost four year old ordered his own meal when he 
has basically been nonverbal. So that's, that's a really been a special moment with him. So kind of an update on where we're all at. Um, my husband and I will be traveling a lot this year to see you guys. And um, I just want to give a huge thank you to everyone who has supported my business um, everyone who continues to support me and uplift me online and share my products and follow the podcast and review it and all the wonderful things that you guys do that makes my business possible. So thank you so much. And please reach out and say hi, because I would love to be able to share the love back. All right. Keep growing. Did you enjoy today's episode? If so, please head over to your favorite podcast player and leave a comment and review. This helps me to know what you're enjoying and helps others find an episode that can help them. Thank you for joining me today at the Homestead Education, and I hope that I have given you something to think about this week. To help others find me, please comment and leave a review on your favorite podcast player. You can also follow me on Facebook at the Homestead Education and Instagram at Homestead underscore education. Do you have questions that you would like answered or just want to say hi? Please email me at hello at the homesteadeducation.com. Until next time, keep growing.